Are you back? I'm back. I actually, uh... What's that creaky-ass door, man? I heard that all the way through my headphones into the bathroom. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it's like a damn horror movie over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in the room where I record, and the funny thing, it's like... It probably is something at, like, Buffalo Bill's basement or something. It has, like, uh, the knob broke, and there's, like, a, a little, like, nailing brad or something, like, sticking through. So you go to grab the knob, and you get stuck. Oh, sweet. It's like the Pat Robinson AIDS needle. Yeah, that's... I heard Anderson Cooper talking about that, how they, they go to give you the secret handshake or whatever, and they prick yeah, you with boom. the AIDS Yeah, boom. Next needle. thing you know, full-on, full-blown AIDS. I think he refers to it as the AIDS, too. Yes. Yeah, give you the AIDS. I hope you're going to uh, edit this out. So You don't have to uh, post this right away, because there's a lot... <laughs> it's like we've been talking for two and a half hours, so... I know, it's crazy. Um, Make sure you edit out the part where you got to take a piss. Well, that's funny because I was just thinking about that. I'm like, that would actually be a riot if I left it in. But Yeah, like unbra, uncut. I got <laughs> Then we talk about each other's pisses when we get back, how, like, oh, how yeah. glorious they were. Oh, I felt so good. It's, uh, so much, it's a so very wide stream, very uh, pure. Yeah. But uh, this this gives us a chance to kind of cleanse the uh, palate. <laughs> Did you hear that? My creaky-ass chair. Creaky-ass <laughs> office chair. We've been expecting you. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. Turn around with a little cat on my lap wearing, like, leather gloves and stuff. Stroking your dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah, precious. Er. It puts the lotion in the basket. No, put the fucking lotion in the basket. It gets a hose again. <laughs> precious. <laughs> <laughs> Shoe great big fat person. <laughs> oh my god. That was awesome. I don't know I'm still screaming Clarice. <laughs> Silence the land, Clarice. He said I could smell your <laughs> I for one cannot. I don't know uh, if I'll leave that in or not. No. <laughs> Brashers. Uh, uh, Buffalo. He he skins his humps. Oh man, it's such an. <laughs> Precious! Darling! Don't you hurt my dog! Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me so hard. <laughs> Do you recognize the song? Yeah, yeah. That's how I got that on my iPod. I like a lot of like 80s new wave stuff and crap too. Like uh, stuff that probably make you roll roll your eyes, like Depeche Mode and The Cure and Joy Division and stuff. But I actually got that song because it was stuck in my head after the first time I saw uh, Silence of the Lambs. That was a riot. That's like a, a it's a funny as hell scene, but it's powerful too. When also he backs up, you know, from, from the camera and does the tuck. It's like he's yep. spreading big moth wings or something. Yeah, it's it feels awesome. powerful. <laughs> it, it is a, a an awesome it's a really good movie yeah the audiobook was like over 10 hours long just because it it's so in depth but it's it's kind of cool listening to it though because a lot of the the uh dialogue is directly from the book i you know what i really can't get into audiobooks well, I'm just lazy instead. Like I used to read all the time. I used to just consume, you know, paper books. Um, but now it's you know it's weird. I think that 
reading online is kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, people get more information and from more diverse sources than they would in the past. But at the same time, there's less focus. So a lot of people like me, I, I used to read books from beginning to end. And now instead... I'm reading news articles all the time and little bits and, and, and opinion pieces and stuff like that. But uh, I always feel like I'm cheating when I listen to audiobooks for some reason. Maybe it's this diluted idea. Or who knows? Maybe there's some truth to it that actually reading the written word is somehow better for your brain than just listening. But I don't know. To me, it is. Um, I tried to do the uh, Game of Thrones audiobooks. Oh, yeah. I haven't read or listened to those yet. Uh, and I, I couldn't do it. It, it, was, it was moving. Even when I sped it up, mm-hmm. it was too slow. Oh, well, I know you like to speed up your podcast. Oh, dude, I speed up everything. Is it just because you feel like it, it, that's your personal preference or you feel like you're kind of working against the clock and you have to? Working against the clock. Oh, okay. So because, I'll, I'll go ahead. Because um, I have so many uh, that I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't. I feel like I I can't get. I won't get through them. And I, and again, it goes to my. I got to complete things. Like if I see my playlist, I'm like, oh, I'm falling behind on my playlist. I get ang- anxiety. Like I got to finish my playlist. And, and I like like when I travel. I love when I travel because I can just put my headphones on, mm-hmm. and I can just listen to podcasts. I, I it's I listen to music less often than I did before I found podcasts. I could see that. I listen to music primarily. Uh, well, it's kind of a toss-up when I'm riding back and forth to work. It's either, uh, yeah, it's it's either music or podcasts. And then I'll work out for like a half hour to like forty minutes or something, maybe a few times a week, and I'll listen to music. And the mu- I think without music, I would probably give out like five minutes into a workout or something, but because the music transports you and inspires you and gets you kind of ramped up, you know, it lets me work out for a longer period of time or whatever. Even when I work out, I'm, um, listen to podcasts. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I would have, tr- I'd probably have trouble doing that cause I wouldn't feel as stoked or something. Uh, yeah. To me, it distracts me cause I don't do any cardio work. Uh-huh. I hate the army killed any motivation of running. Um, <laughs> you feel like you're still there. Yeah, I, when people say I run for fun, I like I say you're crazy. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as running for fun. Is running mm-hmm. running is punishment. Don't make me do it. Oh man, I have asthma, so I'd probably like. I, I mean, I don't have obviously since I do like manual labor. I, I don't have asthma that's so bad I can't push myself to some degree. But uh, I I doubt I could probably do that much uh, running. No, I I, I I do weightlifting. I'm not I just do weightlifting to maintain body mass because here's why. Here's my motiva- here's my reason for doing weightlifting. It's such a nerdy reason to do it because I read as you get older, it's harder to build muscle. So you have to build it while you're young because when you get older you're gonna need it. Uh, that's actually not that nerdy and it's actually actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, because I think there's something like your testosterone and your muscle mass dip like a certain percentage past a certain... Like, yeah, like at 50, you start to diminish. And so to me, it's like I got to I gotta maintain. I'm I'm not big by any stretch of the mat. I'm six foot three and 185 pounds. That's I not am, bad. 
I'm not a big guy. I didn't know you were six foot three. I'm a, I'm afraid of you now. Yeah, I'm a tall. I can dunk on you, son. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, I'm only like somewhere in between five ten and five eleven. And I, I always feel weird when I'm around really tall people. Like I feel like I'm someone's pet. Like I'm, I'm this little thing. <laughs> but I'm not. You know, I'm average. That's right. Like average. Yeah, you right. right yeah. You're average. But like, um, but to me, it's just like that was the reason why I had to do it. I was like, I'm getting a little bit older now. Uh, I want when I get when I get older, I want to be able to be mobile, uh, and I want to not be like a rither, withered old man. And because yeah. it's science, that's that's what science said. So I'm doing it. Have you ever seen those pictures of like? There's this one doctor in particular, like he has like male patent baldness and glasses, like this old dude. I'm talking like maybe late sixties or into well into his seventies or something. And he does like human growth hormone or something. And it looks so weird. It's like this guy who's just jacked like a, a bodybuilder. Then you see like this old like accountant's head on his shoulders. You know what <laughs> yeah, I it's, mean? It's kind of funny. I've thought uh, about that stuff like human growth hormone. I, I wonder. It seems like, I don't know, you hear conflicting opinions. Like supposedly people like Stallone and, and stuff do. I bet you it does preserve you to a certain degree, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a price you pay either. If there's just like processes in your body, which are running rampant and shouldn't be, you know, things it's doing to you or whatever, but. Or maybe you become dependent on it. Because ah, you, you synthesize bought, yeah. it and your body's like, Oh, I don't know. So produce if you it ever anymore. stop, you're screwed. Yeah. You know, I don't think, um, you know, cause I watch, uh, MMA, uh, as the public, the layman would say, UFC. UFC. Um, and they're they're really cracking down on Ukrainian fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Ugandan fried Ugandan chicken. Ugandan fried chicken. Go on. <laughs> we guarantee none of our chickens are homosexual. Uganda, be kidding me. But uh, what, what were you saying? Um, they're really cracked down on on drug testing right on on um performance enhancing drugs mm -hmm. and like it's almost like if you get caught you get uh, there's, there's a two-year suspension for the first time you get caught you can't wow. fight for two years and that's pretty much a career ender depending on how old you are if you get caught a second time it's five years a third time it's a lifetime ban and they finally put all these testing they have a third party company that does it um people they test people all over the world and the first fight after the testing guidelines went in, the fighters you normally see, mm -hmm. you saw a drastic drop shift in size or something. In, in, right? Yeah, in body, in uh, wow, in body uh, size and shape, just a dramatic drop off. You're like, okay, well, you know that guy was using something. Um, now, what were they testing for? Was it like growth hormone and stuff, or was it yeah, steroids? Yeah, what they or? test for is is um, there's a certain level of testosterone you're supposed to have depending on your age and, and ah, your level of activity. And um, some fighters would get a uh, an exemption to do testosterone replacement therapy, um, and the only time you really need that is if if your a your body doesn't produce it naturally, or b you abuse steroids in the past. Oh wow! So your body's kind of so your body can't produce it yeah. on its own, so you have to produce it. And they would look for high, uh, elevated levels in your urine um, that weren't typical for someone of your age and and, and athletic. Uh, uh, ability or athletic um, um, activity, and and if it's high or or even a low amount would signal a, a potential oh, wow. substance. Yeah, 
because you you if you take it you have this high you have this peak 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 and then when you get off it it just it drops and if it's below normal you're like that's also a red flag as well wow now um is uh no is joe rogan still doing a lot of the announcing for that stuff or the, the stuff oh yeah he, he does all the all the main fights joe rogan and and what do you think about joe rogan or not he he's an he's so knowledgeable of the sport mm-hmm. that he's an awesome commentator well, he, I really like Joe Rogan, but I feel like um, there's some stuff I listen to for fun and I realize I kind of have to, to some degree, take my skeptic cap off a little bit if I'm going to enjoy it or whatever. But I, I don't know, I even feel bad saying that because Joe Rogan in the past has embraced some conspiracy stuff like um, moon landing stuff and he's... Uh, this doesn't mean anything. He's friends with, he's actually really friends with Alex Jones. It doesn't mean he believes what Alex Jones believes, but I think, uh, he's obviously a smart guy, deeply contemplative. You know, he's a critical thinker, but at the same time, he embraces some fringe stuff. And, uh, yeah, which I think in a way kind of makes him fun to listen to. Because you know you're probably going to agree with him on a lot of stuff, but he might kind of push the envelope a bit too and take you into to a point where you're not really comfortable with or where you start to, to wonder, you know, what's going yeah. on. It's hard to turn off that that skeptical part of you in, in, mm-hmm. in anything. Um, and in, you, you mentioned in Joe Rogan, it reminded me of something I wanted to say earlier, that he, the Brian Dunning interview uh, right. in particular, um, and, and what I notice in ghost hunting shows too, especially the, the the new the older ghost hunting shows, where Joe Rogan would be like, "I'm not saying it's true, right. but if they were but to it fake is it, true. No, this is right. what they would have done if they were to fake it." Right. I'm not. I'm just asking the questions. I think that's a that's a cop out. Well, right? I think that's a huge cop out, and I think out of anything I've heard, because Joe Rogan usually really is a very kind of reason based person uh but that moon landing stuff is inexcusable if you hear him talking to neil degrasse tyson it's like you're wondering if he just fell down through the rabbit hole or something yeah he shows his his uh his ignorance that's like uh one of the things i like about joe rogan it's one of the same things i like about sam harris i like when really intelligent uh people are into, I don't know, for, I'll say spiritual or for lack of a better word, or maybe mind expanding type of things. Like, I like how Sam Harris is one of the only atheists you ever hear talking about, quote, what are usually relegated otherwise to quote unquote spiritual uh, corners or, or whatever. Uh, things like meditation, sensory deprivation mind expanding drugs and things like that i could listen to people talk about that all day i like when sam harris talks about that stuff i like when joe rogan talks about that stuff and they've actually done a couple of episodes together where sam harris has been on and uh sometimes it's funny uh joe rogan will have graham hancock on i don't know if you remember grant graham hancock from uh some of those old like history or science channel 
documentaries about, you know, the hidden truth of Atlantis and mm. aliens drawing dinosaurs on pyramids or I don't know what the hell, you know, the, the really crazy far out shit. But Graham Hancock's actually a fascinating guy and I love listening to him talk, but I'm always wary when I hear him talk because he's embraced some really fringe kind of stuff in the past. I don't have you ever seen that? Uh, you should do an episode on this. I don't know if Skeptoid ever has. Have you ever seen that? I don't know where the hell it is. If it's in Indonesia, Mal- Malaysia, where it is, but it's or Cambodia, <laughs> but uh, it's in some place in the world. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> on this globe, it, it clearly shows an animal of some sort, and people try to say it's a Stegosaurus, and people try to use it as an argument. From everyone from alien enthusiasts to uh, young Earth creationists, use it as an argument that man walk, you know, lives side by side with dinosaurs, and it it does look kind of like a Stegosaurus, but it's not perfect and it's anatomically off enough that I'm willing to bet that it is not a Stegosaurus. <laughs> also, since I think there's plenty of evidence that di- dinosaurs far predate modern man, Homo sapiens, but uh. Yeah, it's pretty wild though. So yeah, Grim Hancock has also done hallucin uh, hallucinogens and stuff, which I don't know if has anything to do with his theories. I've done hallucinogens and I've ended up uh, an agnostic atheist. So but, uh, that stuff's fascinating. <laughs> you turned out a bit all right. I kind of all right. <laughs> well, so I'm looking. Yeah. I'm looking at this Stegosaurus picture here. Oh, you found it? Yeah, I'm. I'm good at Google. Where is it's it? In Cam- Where it's in is Cambodia. It? Oh. I, I, I guessed three times. You're, you were right bad. in the damn area. You I was were, right the third time. That's right. You were in the damn general vicinity of it. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like a. Yeah, it looks like a. But maybe it, like the head's not small enough, the tail's not long enough, or something like it, that. It looks like a. Well, it has like the spikes on the back. It's like a you would, typical stegosaurus. Uh, ironically, it's at Bible.ca. So I well, no, it's funny though that you bring up those those plates or whatever on the back. Um, that skeptics have pointed out that those so-called plates appear around because in other parts of that same temple or whatever have other animals that are recognizable as normal animals that are indigenous to that part of the world, and they have similar plate-like elements in the design around the animal. But those animals aren't dinosaurs, they're modern animals. And skeptics say that those are actually like stylized flower petals and shit like that. So that mm-hmm. animal might be something, it could be like an anteater or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at it just as like, I'm looking at it for the first time, yeah, I can see a stegosaurus there. Because yeah. I have it a reference. It does make you stop. Some things make you stop in your tracks. It doesn't mean there's a supernatural explanation or that it turns science on its head. Right, because I, I look at it and I see a stegosaurus. Okay, yeah, because that's why I think it's a stegosaurus. Pareidolia. Well, a little more than pareidolia maybe since it's actually it is a drawing of some kind of animal. But Here, I just sent it to you in Skype. Oh, holy Christ on a crooked crutch. There it is. C-Web <laughs> sent me something. Check it out. Dinosaur. I clicked on it. Dino Christ. Yeah, I don't know why it's a crucified stegosaurus. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't open up. I, I clicked on it, it didn't open up. Is there a place where I can see like notifications in in Skype? Oh yeah, um, click on the little message. It's on the right bottom right corner by there's a little message bubble. Show I am. I think it says. I don't see that shit. 
Oh, you're on <laughs> you're on a Mac. That's why that shit's all different. I just see what happens if I type in Stegosaurus Temple. I type my that's Google a band name. I found it. I found it. Is it Bible.ca? I don't see. Oh yeah, it's probably yeah. Calif- Bible California or something. Canada or... probably. Oh Canada. Damn Canadians with you're this Bible. Than me. What's going on? The... <laughs> uh, let's see. We got Stegosaurus on the Temple Museum of Hoaxes. That's obviously a skeptical site. Geo Christian Stegosaurus and Cambodian Temple inside the temple. It's uh, <laughs> going ape shit. Knocking over yeah, things. Yeah, I, I typed in East Asian dinosaurs pyramid and I got dinosaurs in ancient Cambodian temple, Bible.ca. There's I, conspiracy pixels. Uh, I see a bunch of different things. But yeah. I'm looking, actually, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. The thing that makes it almost looks like not an anteater, as I flippantly proposed, uh, half jokingly, but the head. No, it's funny. Is the head almost looks like a triceratops? That's what I was thinking. But the back looks like a. The plates look like a stegosaurus. Right. So it's a tri-stegosaurus. If, if it was a stegosaurus, stegosauruses have long necks and tiny heads. This this thing is missing a neck and has a big head. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a picture here. I did Google uh, like I. I did a search for it, and then I went to Google Images. There's one that shows someone trying to transpose a drawing of a stegosaurus over it, and conveniently, the stegosaurus has no neck. Well, you know, it's someone says it's a chameleon. Stegosaurus. Actually, I can kind of see that. A skeptic is saying it's a chameleon. Have you ever seen those horned chameleons? Because it does look like it has a horn-like protrusion at uh, a lot above the eye. Yeah, you're right. Let me see what a horn. It does. It's a freaking chameleon. You think so? Seriously? Type in horned chameleon and look at Google Images. It looks exactly like it. I think you should do an episode on this. Oh, we're doing one right now. I think we are. There it is, horned (laughs) chameleon. Actually, yeah. Holy shit. The tail's not as curly, but, you know, it's stylized. Yeah, it's it's artistic interpretation, you know. But it, it, are were they native to? Hell, <laughs> no. That's a good question. Horn, where is it? Uh, um, ja- it's also known as Jackson's chameleon. Jackson's chameleon. Habitat, uh, we, hold on. geographic oh, we, range. We may have. We may. We, well, we may may not be right. Nah, I nah. I think we're fucked. It's. Uh, I think I saw Kenya. South Central Kenya and Northern Tanzania. Tanzania. Shit. Why is this? Per- Let me go back to. Google. Jackson Jackson's chameleons are native to the woodlands and forests of altitudes of sixteen hundred to twenty four forty meters in south central Kenya, northern Tanzania. So it's Damn not it. that low bastard. That's see, we just debunked it. We debunked it. Debunked the debunk. Which you have to do if you want to be so I'm saying. You know, intellectually honest. What, then there's something here. It's called AboveTopSecret.com. It says, oh God, uh, don't go into that. You're is that bad? Radical. Is Above it? Top Secret is like a conspiracy site, but go into it. it might be fun. It says what appears to be a Stegosaurus stenops is found between other animals like monkeys, buffalo, parrots, deer, and many more ordinary animals. People are suggesting the stone carvers of the 10th century saw dinosaurs, uh, and then parentheses of stegosaurus, just as they've seen monkeys, buffalo, and other jungle animals. So check this out. Uh, you, you listen to Skeptic Guide to the Universe, right? 
with uh, oh, I forget the guy's uh, name. The I'm novellas. Drunk. The novellas, yeah. Because for a while, I was watching a lot of near-death experience debates, mm-hmm. and uh, novella went head-to-head against Eben Alexander. Yeah, they each had a partner. I, I caught the most hate online ever when I dared to criticize Eben Alexander. But he he has a his his blog Neurologica. Yeah, it's uh, he has a, a blog post on it from 2008. Damn, this is old. And he comes to the conclusion it's not a horned chameleon, but it is a chameleon. Oh, is that that's what he's saying? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> well, forget he said that. We just we just cracked the case. We cracked we the code, man. <laughs> We're on the case. Solved it. Done. It's well, a chameleon. Even if no, it's funny because even if it's a stegosaurus, it's a stegosaurus with no neck, so it must have evolved over time. So you still fucked Christians. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) So he evolved a shorter neck because the plants were closer to. Yeah, didn't have uh, to reach for things. He didn't have to reach as far. I heard that's a that that's a that's a bogus myth too. The giraffe. Oh, the neck length thing. Yeah. What's the true story? Um, I don't know. Did you but see? I, uh, but I know what 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 is what is good to be used as a uh, counter to creationists is the the lang the lang jerk the damn nerve that runs from your neck. Creationists. <laughs> you sound just like. <laughs> I just have such a low voice naturally. I, just, I know you got it. Kill it, son. <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, um, it it uh it runs from your neck and it goes through like. Uh, a ventricle in your heart, like it wraps around your heart. Then it loops back up, and it right? It loops back up. Right. And it, and it does the same thing in a giraffe. You're thinking like, well, if I'm a designer, which what creationists say they are. <laughs> That's got to be a straight run. That's not Yeah, why would I run this nerve all the way down around the heart and back up the giraffe's neck? It seems like an incredible waste of time. Absolutely. And that's because, I mean, evolution isn't a perfect quote-unquote design or it works with what it has and adapts. Exactly. But see what I have a hard time with using certain words when discussing things like like when I'm talking about nature and you want to say designed because it almost right? personifies what you're talking yeah. about it makes it seem like it's associated with some kind of agency or something like that, right? Like when my when my 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 daughter asked me about how, you know, why do we do things like you know, why are humans do this I'm, i, I want to say designed because she could understand design but i also want to say because of evolution this was a trait that was favored over others and, and evolved over time it, her seven-year-old brain may not comprehend that so i i gotta i'm so hesitant to say design and oh and the god question has come up with my daughter i think you would tell me about that and you were kind of but this is this that was, was a, that di- was a while ago oh, this is like one? recently um because we i always try to sprinkle science in on her like science stuff and uh, the universe and how old it is and it's like oh you know where the universe come from she, oh god i'm like god i'm like hmm like, wait back up she says that yeah now where's she where's her notion of god come from exactly i don't talk to her about it as far as i know my wife doesn't talk to her about it she must be hearing it from school. Oh, yeah, that could be. Oh, dude, I got to tell you this, this story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when my daughter was in kindergarten, um, they, they asked for parent volunteers to come in and do like a brief uh, display of something, right? Like come in and do like an artwork or come in and do like a science experiment. 
so I, I volunteered for a science experiment. And I bought my daughter this thing. They're called snap circuits. Hmm. And they're like little pieces of uh, plastic with, with um, pieces of metal on them. You stack them together and it creates a circuit and it does, like, does, turns a light on or it um, you know, does a, a buzzer or it's just a light switch. You can turn sounds on and off and, and there's different things you can do to create a, you know, using engineering and electricity to create circuits. Mm-hmm. And so I went into her kindergarten class and I wanted to explain to kids about electricity and how it works. And I started talking about, you know, atoms and, and current and all this stuff in a way that, you know, five-year-olds, five-year-olds right. would understand. Um, and then, so I'd ask questions. I'm like, so, and I was like, so where do atoms come? Like, um, like where do atoms come from? <laughs> and this little girl's like, God, Uh-oh. I was like, I was like, oh, shit, like, how do I handle this? How do you get out of that one? I was like, well, atoms come from, I just ignored her. <laughs> <laughs> and I explained how atoms work and how proton and electrons, you know, transfer back and forth between atoms. But like, it was like two or three questions where this little girl was God, God, God. I'm like, like this is a little girl. That's, that's not the answer. You didn't explode and say, there is no God. There you is got, no God. You got rot in the earth. You're going to you die a horrible, family. miserable death alone. <laughs> <laughs> Worms are going to eat your face. It's horrible. So I just walk out the back door. I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I don't, I well, don't it's know. Like, where... That's almost like debating creationists or something. It's like they have this. They filled the gap. How do you unfill it? You know what I mean? I think it's just a. I think it's just a cop out. It's like it is a cop out. Yeah. God did it. Like, oh, aren't you like? Don't you want to know? You know. Well, it's and some f- people don't though. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. There's plenty of people that don't want to know. Or I think uh, what's so amazing is the way that Christian apologists twist themselves up into pretzels so they can see like they're part, so they can seem like they're part of the modern world, but they're still defending these anachronistic, superstitious ideas and trying to make them seem scientifically valid. Uh, like, I saw. Um, who was I talking uh, about? David Silver, David Silverman. There's some guy. I forget his first name. Something White, Professor Something White, not Walter White. Walter from <laughs> Breaking. He kind of looked like Walter White. He was he was bald and had uh, glasses, I think. But it's supposed to be this really erudite guy, and he's debating David Silverman, and but his. He had that way, you know, like creation, like Christian apologists do of talking down the atheists, like a smug attitude is going to apologize for your lack of actual facts somehow. Like, go oh, look at the stupid atheist or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, like, one, one of his excuses for why the Bible was real, he said something like, the New Testament is good, every syllable is pure, and I'm mm. like, what do you base that on? It's a book full of contradictions. It's actually a book. It's an anthology. It's a book assembled of many other books, both the yeah. Old and the New Testament. And like, I always like to talk about doublets. You know, you go to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you got two accounts of creation, one on the heels of the other, which um, differ on the order in which things are created. You have two different Noah flood accounts, one on yep. the heels of the other. One says something about sev- seven animals, the, the pure, clean ones at least. The other says two of every animal. And uh, the only place they can retreat to after that, the only argument they have is to say that, well, the, 
the Bible shouldn't be taken completely literally. And um, well, they pick and choose what they want to take literally and, and figuratively. Yeah, or they'll say that it's even if it's not correct all the time. As a whole, it's divinely inspired. Yeah. The authors were inspired. It's like get the hell out of here, man. It's um, almost like a. a they have to live in the real world, right, with modern technology and, mm-hmm. and what what science has accomplished for us. But they also want to live in the past. Like, take Ben Carson. You know who Ben Carson is, right? Oh, unfortunately, I do. He's the neuroscientist who's running for uh, the Republican presidential uh, candidacy, but he's uh, somehow he's a neuroscientist, but he he's super it, Christy at the same time. Yeah, he's like no, he's a, he's a neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon, right? And Sam he, Harris is a neuroscientist. Yeah, so it, th- that's kind of scarier. This guy actually cuts into brains, right? But he he's really good at what he's done. What he what he did, he doesn't practice anymore. But he he was a brilliant neurosurgeon. Uh, mm-hmm. Take nothing away from him. But the the point it the point I was trying to make is that. Um, the whole debate over Planned Parenthood and and stem cell and fetal tissue tissue research. Oh, he they found he, out. He yeah. wrote a paper on he the benefits. On it, yeah, yeah. And so it's like they want to believe in this make believe world of what right and wrong, black and white, until that world bumps up against reality. Then brass tacks, you know, right. it's science is science. And that's what's kind of scary because some people, at least he, at some point, uh, acquiesced to science, you know, kind of made way for science. And, but there's other people who don't want to. They want to pull us back into the dark ages, which is really scary, you know what I mean? Let me give you an example here, Annabelle. Um, so uh, during that whole Planned Parenthood uh, Dr. De video that was released recently. Oh um, yeah, where they yeah. supposedly caught. I sound like the Kool Aid guy. Said, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Or, or Macho Man Randy Savage." We got some Kool Aid here, brother. With Snap my two inch python. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. But the, uh, uh, the 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 that video, which was heavily edited, which made Planned Parenthood, Parenthood look like they were selling the body parts of aborted yeah. fetuses, which was... It's just the shipping costs, right? Or right, yeah, like the recovering cost to yep. ship and maintain the, the fetal tissue, which was blatantly uh, wrong, completely wrong with what they do. So... Okay. They're like, they're like, died in the wool Catholics, right? Okay. Through and through, so obviously... No abortion. A, abortion sorry. is... is the e- most evilest thing in the world. Um, and so she, she posted this article from this priest or pastor or some jabroni uh, <laughs> who's like, oh, it was right around when that Cecil the Lion was killed. Okay, Oh, I did a show about that. Yeah, I did. I remember listening to that. I listened to your show on that. And what pissed me off so goddamn much about the lion, I, it sucks that that lion got killed, right? They fed it, it fetuses, you know. It was they did so it deserved to die. <laughs> they called it a It deserved to die and it deserved to burn in hell. Yeah, it ain't got no soul. Kill it. <laughs> God, so, it's beautiful. Like, God made it. Kill it. Everybody was like, everyone's so up in arms about a lion, but whatever. Insert your cause here and care about this cause. Like, look, you, like can you can care about the deadline. Yeah, time. you can care about more than one thing. Okay, people can care about the lion being killed. You can care about you know whatever your cause is, but. 
But the article she posted was this, this jabroni religious guy was like, everyone is up in arms about the one death of lion where every year millions of un- innocent babies are slaughtered and Planned Parenthood is selling the fetuses for a profit, blah, blah, blah. So I commented, I was like, everything in that video was not true. It was edited in a deceptive way. Mm-hmm. And um, Planned Parenthood does not sell aborted fetuses uh, for profit. The, the only money is to cover the the expensive exactly right. It's like thirty it, bucks or something like that. And those that fetal tissue is used for scientific research to actually benefit people with diseases that uh, in the here and now. And it's it's very important that we have these. And she said, "Yeah, that's very important, but not at the expense of innocent babies." Blah blah blah. Is that it's and like the other? Not babies. And it's like if if someone harvested and destroyed eggs during research from a lion, no one would probably give a shit. Yeah, but, but you know what I mean. But when you kill a sentient being that's fully formed, right? And uh, they f- don't for just to get thrills to feel like a powerful or something. It's not even an animal people eat for food that I know of, at least not Westerners. Right. And but here, here's 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 my long winded point, where where I was talking about how their science bumps up with the reality. The reality of science bumps up with their worldview because she was. She wasn't. It was civil. Get me wrong, but she was saying, not at the not scientific progress at the expense of aborted fetuses. It's because yeah. of people who donate. It's because of Planned Parenthood that people donate this fetal tissue. That scientists can go in and look for a cure for these debilitating diseases. It's like Piss everything within reason. You know, it's not all black and white. Like uh, I have a similar feeling about abortion as maybe Christopher Hitchens, where people are often surprised because he's an atheist, but he's like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but obviously abortion is something that should be taken seriously. You know, just because you don't believe in God doesn't mean you va- you don't value unborn life. But it's everything right. within reason. I almost look at it as a sliding scale. You're going from a fertilized egg to once it's outside the womb or once you're nine months pregnant, uh, you know, a fully formed infant human. And there's a lot of room in between. And I think, you know, the further along into the gestation process you wait, obviously the closer it is to the termination of a human life. But there's a lot of room in the early period where I don't think it's a big, well, I shouldn't say that trivializes it, but I don't think it's a big deal morally where I would want to prevent people from doing it. And the analogy I used to use, I remember this came to me as like a young kid, maybe my early teens or something. It's like, if I saw a bird's egg on the ground, like a chicken egg that was cracked open and, you know, there was something barely formed in it or or just a yolk or something, I wouldn't feel too much, you know, my heartstrings wouldn't be pulled. But if I saw a bird that was in its death throes suffering on the ground, that would tear at my heart and I'd feel compelled to help it. You know, there's a difference between a fertilized egg or whatever or you know a blob of cells and Mm -hmm. a fully sentient fully formed creature you know there has to be some room for common sense and compromise you know what i mean well i think um the term pro-choice and pro-life are divisive yeah divisive but but they're loaded terms right i can be pro-choice and you could be against abortion so if if like, who's happy about abortion out right exactly <laughs> who's out there saying yay abortion it's like yeah. what's your what's your what's your goal is your goal to reduce the amount of abortions at me as a, a progressive liberal my goal is to 
reduce the amount of unplanned pregnancies that lead to abortions. And right. how do you do right. that? You do comprehensive sexual Sex education, education yeah. and you do widespread contraceptives. What does Planned yeah. Parenthood do? 97% of what very, they do. Yeah, a very small percent is in abortion. A lot 3%, of yeah, preventative 3%. health and it's breast exams. Preventative health, and, it's STDs, yeah. it's contraceptive care. So me, I'm like, I to, to my Christian friends who are anti-abortion, I said, Are, do you want to minimize or reduce abortions? They say yes. I'm like, do you support widespread contraceptive use and free contraceptive and Hell comprehensive no, sex stuff. No, they don't want that stuff taught in schools. And no, they don't want to give that and out. It's freely. just religious objections. Yeah. And I, said, it's like, and I go, no. And I go, then you're not for the reduction of abortions. You're for the control of female sexuality. Yeah, it's like if you give a kid, uh, there might be a small like grain of truth. You know, if you give a kid a condom, it's like giving them the okay. But guess what? Since time immemorial, young people have been screwing. It's what they're programmed for. They're gonna do it. What they're way. designed for. What they're designed for. But yeah, it's like you might you know I mean at least make sure they're safe or whatever. But it, it's not about abortion. It's not. It's about female sexuality because if you yeah. wanted to reduce abortions, you would do what I said to do. Mm -hmm. Because it's been proven that that works. It's it, there's no coincidence that the states with the highest rates of not only teen pregnancies but divorce are the reddest of the red states in the South, who are also the most religious states mm -hmm. um, because of that very reason. It's not about abortion. It's about controlling female sexuality. There has to be a punishment for having sex. Your punishment in their brains is having <laughs> that baby. So you're yeah. not pro-life. You're just anti-female sexuality. And, and probably anti-sexuality in general to some extent, or it's viewed for, as no being for dirty. guys. It's okay. Oh, and you see that uh, hypocritically, you know, with powerful um, adult males or whatever think it's all right to get some on the side, or they are entitled to this and that. But yeah, it's unthinkable that an underage female would engage in sexuality, following her own impulses or whatever. Not even not even underage, just any female at any age. Yeah, that's true too. You know, it's all it's 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 sex for them. That's all it is, and and when you call them out on it, they're they're not about reducing abortion. It's it's not what it's about. What was that? There was some Republican doctor who is super pro life. Uh, this really bald creeper mother effer, and uh, he was in the <laughs> news. And it turned out he was cheating on his wife with like a string of women, and he'd actually encouraged like uh, several of his mistresses to have abortions or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think I remember that guy. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he's a creeper, but on the... Do you think he was a doctor or he's a pol like a pro-life politician? Something like that, yeah. But he might have been both. I don't know. Well, he might have been a, a, a doctor with some influence who was also, you know, with some political clout who was very pro, uh, pro-life. And he was actually encouraging mistresses and paid for mistresses to have uh, abortions. That's some slimy stuff, man. Um... I uh, what are you saying, Sog? I'm I'm looking it up. I know he looks like he looks like a pink Shrek or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> pro life politician, mistress abortion. Pro life Repu Republican congressman Repugnant. and doctor. Yeah, he was both. He was a congressman and a doctor. Pressured mistress patient to get abortion. 
Scott Disjarlaris. Oh, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's like an Uncle Fester looking motherfucker, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tea Party backed Republican had an affair with a patient and later pressured her to get an abortion from your favorite site, the Huffington Post. The Huffington Post. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. I get so much from the Huffington Post, but it's. One of the first things I do in the morning is, you know, I have a Huffington Post app, and yep. it's probably in part. Let's be, let's be honest. It's because I, I, I consider myself like an independent progressive. I don't consider, I, I don't offer my loyalty to the Democratic Party by very progressive on social right. issues. Um, and the Huffington Post is largely progressive. Plus, they have some pretty cool articles on science and religion and things like that. But look at their, uh, they have a paranormal section. I didn't even know they had that. That's crazy. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's terribly good for me. <laughs> uh, lots of fodder. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, oh man, that's awesome. Because I did uh, one of my PSA weeklies. It wasn't from Huffington Post, but it was about, um, from another news site, it was about the healing power of magic stones. Oh, man. About this girl had a headache, and this her friend told her to put this amethyst stone on her forehead, Jesus. and two hours later, her headache was gone. Now, I used to suffer from chronic migraines. If if all I had to do was put a stone on my head, you know, give me a break. Hey, I can sell you one, two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks. That's actually cheap. And know, it also tell. allows you to uh, decipher uh, Mormon tablets too. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> do you did you play uh, Final Fantasy games? Yes, I did. Actually, my favorite. Uh, and this is funny because I won't drag you down the Gamergate thing, but you know, like Anita Sarkeesian always saying there's not enough female role models in games or whatever. Yeah. My um, my favorite Final Fantasy installment, and this might be somewhat embarrassing, but I don't care. It might have been like X two or I forget what it's called, but it was the one with three female heroines. That your party was three female characters, like Yuna, Riku, and Pain. Did you just fall over? No, drunk? I hit my mic on accident. Sorry. I thought you were so drunk. You just like <laughs> fell out of your chair. Oh, uh, he but, passed uh, out. I always, right. yeah, no, dude. I, I love Final Fantasy. Yeah. My favorite installment was Final Fantasy VII. Was that the one with the blonde dude with, with like cloud the, the checkerboard and, pants and stuff? Uh, it wasn't checkerboard pants. It was the it was on PlayStation, the original PlayStation. It was Cloud. Uh, Sethroff was the um the the uh, antagonist. Um, it had a bear to do with the machine gun on his arm. Oh, I didn't um, play that one. Oh, uh, it's it's on. It was on PlayStation. It was the original PlayStation. I I think I logged like sixty four hours on that thing. I had PlayStation two. I didn't have PlayStation. Oh, that, yeah. It was. Um, what year was it? Let me see here. Nineteen ninety seven. Scary. Yeah. It, but like, um, so the the Magic Stones article I read. No, no shit. The lady was like, if you combine um, quartz, it amplifies the powers of other stones. And so I trail off and I go, I found this customization or something. Yeah, I I found this website where you use materia from from the life source, uh, the life flow of the of the of the planet, um, made by Mako, and you combine it. I just pretty much read what you do in Final Fantasy. (laughs) Did they have uh, what were the name of those things? They look like. They look like chickens, big chickens that chocobos, 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 yes. or whatever the hell they Chocobo, are. Chocobos, chocobos, however you want to say it. Yeah, man, the, uh, <laughs> the big yellow chickens. They're like in all the Final Fantasy games. That reminds me too of us. Kind of, hey, you can only ride chocobos across the the quicksand because they're big ass worms. 
I try to eat you and oh, well, the police can get across those. it. Like they look like the sandworms from Dune yeah, from or, something like or that. from um, uh, Tremors. Tri- oh yeah, with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon and um, what's that one guy? He's in everything. Um, Not. Do you see the Tremors where they they can like walk on land? It's like Tremors three. No, I didn't see that. Oh That's god, they're... sad though. How like every great horror franchise eventually just turns to shit and it just dude i was so afraid of tremors like i was literally afraid because i live in california we got earthquakes all the time oh wow (laughs) i was so afraid they come yep i was afraid i was i I lived in high desert too so it was like sandy oh so it's like just like the movie yep it was two 1990 so i was i was nine Dude, I was like that. Maybe it's it's funny. Like I'm from New England, where there's a lot of like you know coastal regions and shit, and like uh, Cape Cod and whatnot. Uh, Jaws messed me up almost as bad as The Exorcist. I used to. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's so silly. Like it, it's so superstitious to the extreme, but to the point where when I was a kid. If I was jumping into like a swimming pool, there'd be like a brief second while I was in like midair doing a cannonball, like the shark's gonna be in there. <laughs> or even if like you drink like a cup of like dark like grape juice or something, oh, there's little sharks in there. Did you did you have anybody with like a, a dark bottom swimming pool? No, but that sounds scary. Dude, I had a friend growing up who the the bottom of the pool was dark, so it was just like a black abyss. And I, I was terrified to swim in that thing. Uh, I did not swim in it. I swam in it once. I jumped in and I panicked like I was being pulled to a black hole. And I got out. It's like, I'm never swimming this damn thing again. It's that, a black bottom pool. That reminds me of it's something that uh, I'm maybe kind of like our conversation at the top of the show about um, space time and stuff like that. It's something I'm not, I'm still not sure about, but I have some thoughts like. I don't know if you'd call it generational or genetic memory or something, but I wonder, do you, because th- not only was I, did I used to be really afraid of sharks, uh, I used to also be really afraid of like prehistoric, like things like, you know, like some people like Loch Ness think, Monster? You know, like some people think Nessie was a plesiosaur and they often draw Nessie as like a plesiosaur. The idea of a reptilian aquatic monstrosity you know with sharp teeth or whatever just freaks me out do you think that there's some kind of evolution some way that evolution kind of shapes us to be afraid of certain types of life forms maybe whether it's spiders poisonous snakes maybe dangerous uh aquatic life or so do you think there's any truth to that or what do you think about that you know i think like what's called what's called evolution psychology or evolutionary psychology mm-hmm. um I, I i largely think that discipline is bullshit <laughs> right. uh, i think uh-huh. it's it's a lot of speculation right Spec- that's the key word speculation. yeah it's like how it's like you try to take like how we live today and apply it to 200 thousand 250,000 a million years ago to early homo uh homo erectus homo sapiens um and and i think it's just a lot of speculation but i also think there's some truth to it the whole uh you know like like why you when you see a stick in a road and you think it's a snake it goes to the snake right Uh, you know then you're like oh false positive thing you're right 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 i'm i'm not entirely convinced of that um, because I think it is speculation, but I can see some merit in it as far as it does make sense. 
You know what's evil is like I was gonna say, well, you have to do experiments on children. You have to see like oh, see if babies and small kids are afraid of like snakes or what. But I think they didn't they find the opposite, like that kids very small kids, maybe like toddlers or whatever, didn't necessarily have an inherent fear of snakes or reptiles or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think to me, I think it's a learned behavior because my, my study of, of children, I, I during my graduate school, I took some um, courses in childhood development. Um, and the consensus is that children learn by watching their parents and the people around them. That makes sense. Um, it, it, to, to a certain degree. It's almost, there's no really nature versus nurture debate. It's both. Um, yes. And so children are largely influenced by their parents. So I think a lot of it isn't like, oh, um, that one person got bit by a snake and died. He couldn't procreate. So <laughs> the person that didn't lives. I think, no, I think, oh, shit, we saw that person get eaten by a snake and he died, we're going to avoid snakes because that dude died. And it's like almost like a, it's passed down. If it's like if it was, um, if your father was like Steve Irwin, you know, back when he was alive, uh, like was it Bindi Irwin, his daughter still works mm -hmm. with animals or something. It's like if you're raised with this guy who has a very positive view of like what other people would view as dangerous animals like crocodiles and right things and snakes you might have a very positive attitude towards those animals you know right and, and like oh this person oh you know mike went too close to the water got ate by an alligator all right don't go next to the water because there might be alligators in there yeah. and then that's passed down and that's what i think i think a lot of marine experts don't they say like jaws might have done a lot of harm to even though i mean i'm sure we might naturally be put off to the appearance of sharks to some yeah. degree but jaws like fully demonized sharks and i think it's slowly being reversed like there was just a story in the huffington post about possibly the biggest female great white shark that was encountered and it shows like a diver in a cage and the people in the comment section were talking about how beautiful the shark was referring to her by the female gender and all this stuff and i think people might slowly be realizing that it's another living creature um you don't have to demonize it even though it's you know powerful it's an apex predator or whatever well you know it's recently um this summer for some reason there was like three or four shark attacks off the coast the, of north carolina you see the surfer one oh like that was live, crazy live tv the surf yeah, yeah. dude got attacked oh, by man. a shark and he was like oh shit i'm swimming fast as i can to the dam but like so there was like three or four shark attacks in, in off of north, the coast of north carolina um people were bit no one died for, uh, fortunately uh, but they they were bit or they had limbs severed Right, mm -hmm. and and your first instinct is like, oh, we gotta find that shark and kill it. Monster, yeah. But you're like, the shark's just being a shark. It so, doesn't. Yeah, I was gonna it, say. Supposedly, they don't even want to eat us. The the reason why people usually only lose limbs or something is because uh, they explore their environment. Uh, that was so New England. Like they explore their environment. <laughs> they explore their environment with their mouths. So they'll usually take a bite of something, and if it's not what they view as edible, they spit it back out, which is why a lot of people only loot only. Yeah, yeah, I know. But hey, if whatever, I'm you know. either my arm or my life, bye-bye arm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you can always get a uh, cybernetic Jedi Exactly. Arm. You know, technology is moving at a rapid pace. <laughs> but, like, but like people, people are like, well, we got to hunt down the shark and kill it. I'm like, 
It's a shark. It's doing what sharks does. You're in its house. Exactly. It, it, you're swimming where it lives. It's not the shark's fault that it bit you. Stay the out of the water. That's like I joked on this the Cecil the Lion episode that there's a couple of cases of where female big game hunters on Facebook who show their kills and stuff uh, have caught Ugh. some uh, backlash. And there's one. It shows this lady who's just this shitty smirk. And she has literally has like a dead giraffe's neck kind of wrapping around her legs. And she says something about how giraffes uh, can be very dangerous animals. And I joke in the show, I'm like, you know when giraffes aren't dangerous? When you're not near them trying to kill them? Yeah, I, you know I remember you said I mean? that. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, sport hunting. And she quotes um, Genesis too. And I'm like, yeah, the passages you just quoted mention hunting for food. You're losing your your argument there if you yeah, if you quote the Bible, yeah. But like sport hunting, especially, you know, I'm not ignorant of where my meat comes from. Yeah, you, you can't know? be, you know. You know, I, can, could I do that? Could I slaughter an animal? I, I don't think. I don't I think I could either. And, but yeah. and I feel like a pussy because of it because I still eat meat even though I feel conflicted right. about it. You know, right. I'm not. It, it's 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 the convenience of living in a modern society that we don't have to think about where our food comes from. Yeah. But it's also a curse too because we don't have to think where our food comes from. We just take it for granted that someone somewhere is slaughtering an animal, cutting up its meat, its muscle for me to eat uh with onions, guacamole and some barbecue sauce. Yeah, that's. I don't know if you're a fan of Anthony Bourdain or not, but I, I like. Uh, I don't watch his CNN show that much, but I used to watch No Reservations or whatever it was. It's weird because you can tell he's a guy with a heart who cares about animals, but at the same time he loves meat. He's a he's a chef and all this stuff. And he was somewhere down like New Orleans, uh, out in the like the backwoods or whatever, and they had a pig and they had like this old, you know ratty pickup truck or whatever and the pigs in the back of the truck and they want to let anthony bourdain do the quote-unquote honors and they hand him a pistol mm. so they put food at like a dog dish with food in it or some shit like at the end of the truck oh. and the, the the pig comes up to it and anthony bourdain he can tell he's like oh man but he still goes with it mm -hmm. point blank puts the pistol to the pig's head shoots it dead then they show them just stripping right away, just stripping the pig down, cutting it in half. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what parts they need. Like the guy who makes sausages takes, you know, the intestines or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Bourdain was talking about, he could tell, he, you know, he felt bad, but he's like, he's talking about philosophically at the point where it goes from being an animal to being meat. You know, mm -hmm. after you see it being processed past a certain point, you're no longer seeing a dead body. You're seeing food or whatever. But yeah, it's just crazy, man. Crazy. It is. It is. And like, I watch a lot of survival shows. Mm -hmm. I love survival shows. And um, when they have to kill an animal, it's like, it's gruesome to watch. But you're almost like, I, I get what they're doing because they're surviving. Yeah. And I would like to think that I would be able to do that if it was a matter of life and death. But fortunately, I'm not in that position to do that. And and but going back to sport hunting or or hunting for food, um I don't have issues with people who really hunt to sustain themselves. Yeah, I mean it's sad in a way inherently, but you understand it and there's a certain dignity or 
morality to or moral ground about it that we can't stand on as people who buy our meat from supermarkets and don't do our own killing you know what i mean well i have a friend who's a, a vegetarian slash vegan um and <clears throat> i i have conversations with her about meat so i said you know if if we were able to, one of her hangups is that you have to kill animals. I was like, well, if we can grow meat in the lab, would you would you still eat it? She was like, no, I wouldn't because of <laughs> That's health. That's so gross, reasons. right? I know it sounds gross, but she said, no, I wouldn't because of health reasons. Because you know, oh, I feel better. Oh, I see. I'm like, uh, I was like, okay, that's uh, that's respectable. But uh, so I would, I would poke fun of her. I was like, you know, if it wasn't for meat, um, evolutionary speaking, you and I wouldn't be oh, here to have this conversation. I think it's like I don't know if it's Australopithecus or which hominid it was. But one of them supposedly had enough brains, no pun intended, that they uh, didn't they know to like they'd watch predators supposedly, and when the predators were done, they would like scavenge the kills. And I think you may have corrected me on this before, so I could be wrong, and and you'll probably know. But there's at least one theory that the consum- consumption of meat had something to do with the fueling of our brain power and brain size, or something like that. Well, right? it was um, from what I remember. It was the cooking of meat ah, that allowed um, our jaw muscles to shrink, which oh. <laughs> allowed for the expansion of our skulls and the growth of our brains. Oh, I get you. Okay. Because it, 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 when you cook something, you, you break down the fibers and the tissues and the enzymes, and it makes it easier to not only chew but to digest. And you wouldn't need really strong muscles to chew raw meat right? Um, that you would for cooked meat. And so I would say that to her. I was like, you know, because of the – the meat we ate, and it also, um, you know, when push comes to shove, meat is the best protein for humans to have. Um, it, it, it has the right, the necessary amounts of protein, um, the nutrients that we need to fuel our bodies. It, we can't come up with a synthesized version of it that is as good as meat. Right. So you have to have a lot of something else to, to equal a small amount of meat. And so it, it, it helped fuel our evolution in more ways than one. And, and I, when I told my friend, I jokingly poke at her and say, hey, because of meat, you know, evolutionary speaking, you and I, we wouldn't be here without it. <laughs> she, you know, she'd laugh it off. But, th- but, but it also goes to show that, you know, as we mature as a society, right, we, can, we don't have to rely on, you know, um, what they call paleo diets. We don't right. have to rely on prairie living, savanna living, where we scavenge for food like we do, like, or like our ancestors do. We can't adjust our eating habits. So there's nothing saying that we can't move ourselves off of meat because we science and technology has progressed to where we can synthesize the, the compounds that we get from meat. Well, that's what I say, and I, and I think that, and I've said this a couple of times on my show that we reach a point, I think we will reach a point as a species where we're so self-aware. So we have that moral burden that other species don't. We know that we're killing and we know whether we have to or not and, and what the repercussions are, and the moral implications. We're going to have to choose at some point as a species if we want to continue doing this. And I think at least, you know, at this point, we should stop doing certain things like killing for fashion. Oh, yeah. uh, Like, I remember, I think I probably talked about that. No, I definitely talked about this with you before, how I saw a documentary about PETA on HBO. And I have issues with PETA and the way they conduct themselves, the nature of some of their campaigns and stuff. But I'll never forget it. 
they were showing animals on a fur farm being skinned and they were probably like er, i don't know if it's ermine or ermines or uh or like some kind of animal in the weasel family or something like that and they were skinning the animals and i remember thinking to myself well at least the animals are dead you know, but then yeah. they show they pull the skin off and they throw like the the red muscly husk in a pile of other dead little red skinless bodies, and they show it breathing frantically, mm. and you see its breath, its hot breath, turning to mm. mist as it hits the air. So they're skinning these things alive. They're pulling their skins off and throwing their skinless bodies into a pile, and. uh that's that's uncalled for in this day and age where we have Gore-Tex, you know, where we have so many different synthetic materials. I mean, shit. The least you could do is is give them a humane death if you if you're gonna do that. But I don't think there's any reason for people to wear furs in this day and age, unless you're like an Inuit living away from society or something. Right? Like that, you know? Yeah. There's a certain level of like you need it for your survival. It's, I. I and you know, like, they probably could kill them humanely, but maybe they don't want to damage the furs, or uh, maybe it's quicker to do it that way or something, and, and it's just inexcusable. There's no moral excuse for it, and it sickens me. And, and so I think things like that, like... It's like, the needless, it's like needless suffering. Yeah. You and, know, if if I want the, the whole organic, um, free-range movement... Um, you know, I'm, the science isn't in organic. Organic is is no better or no worse than conventional grown crops. Um, but, but as far as like uh, free range or or humanely treated animals, I'm all for that. In the end, um, chickens, cows, uh, they're food. You, when's the last time you've seen a wild cow somewhere? Oh, those animals are so domesticated yeah uh, to be bred for food and that's one thing like i was gonna say with like because i love dog you know i just love dogs and oh dog uh, is so delicious oh wait yeah well that's the point i'm gonna make is that some people say it's all cultural relativity you know different cultures eat different animals Mm -hmm. and the one argument i can kind of come up with for that is that like you said, chickens, cows, pigs, these are animals that were bred to be livestock. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think we have more of a symbiotic kind of social relationship with dogs where we tamed, you know, wolves, transformed them into dogs. And they were mostly, I mean, from the beginning, they're probably like almost employees. You know, they were like hunting, <laughs> like uh, hunting companions and watchdogs. Also for no kid, I mean, in probably a matter of life and death in, in some cases, they were used for body warmth. Yeah. Um, I think that's where the, the phrase three dog night actually comes from. It has something to do with that. Mm. And, uh, but I think obviously they became companion animals too. And there's like, you go all the way back to ancient Egypt and you can see depictions of the Royal family with companion animals with cats and dog domestic cats and dogs and things like that so that's maybe the one weak ass argument i can think of you know that it might not be cultural relativity that one animal was raised as a kind of uh, working partner and, and domestic pet and the, the others were raised for food but even then i remember like i used to think well maybe okay, I I don't have to go vegan. Maybe someday I can be vegetarian. I can still have pizza and stuff. I can Mm -hmm. still eat eggs. Then I saw, like, videos of something. I think it's called uh, 
maceration. Was it match? Uh, maceration, maceration, and it, ha- it takes place on like egg farms because the the farms only need enough chick, enough male chicks to procreate with the female ones. They mm-hmm. only need a certain number of them. So they do what they call, I saw Mike Rowe doing this once on Dirty Jobs, and he was joking about it because it's called sexing the chick. You t- <laughs> you turn the little the baby chick over and sex it, which means you know determining its its biological sex. Right. And they only need so many males. So I'm not shitting you. The excess males get thrown into the shredding machine called oh, a macerator uh... or something like that. So and Mike Rowe was. Um, reluctantly doing it. So all these like hundreds of little male fluffy chicks get thrown into a metal shredder alive and just get turned to shit, just get ground up to nothing. Um, so it's like, it's like, damn, you can't even eat, just eat eggs, man. You know? Yeah. It's <laughs> and <laughs> like when I hear people who say, Oh, this such and such tastes just like chicken, or this tastes just like beef, or this just... It's like, no, it doesn't. You're lying to yourself. You can't eat a, a synthetic... A tofu or something. Tofu meat that's... Oh, this cauliflower tastes just like buffalo chicken wings. No, that's cauliflower with buffalo sauce on it. That's not a buffalo chicken wing. Um, but there, you don't. animals don't have to needlessly suffer. If they're going to be used as food... Um, Temple Grandin, the, um, oh, the, the autistic woman who... Yeah, who created um, Claire Danes played her in that. Movie yeah, the, the the slaughterhouses where where she improved the slaughtering of cows. Now on the surface, she's like she's a horrible person. She led more cows to their death. But what she did, she made it less stressful on the animal. Even though they were going to die and be our food, um, at least up to the point where they put that yeah. bolt through their head. They weren't suffering. They weren't stressed. They weren't anxious. And to me, that little bit right there is it, enough. It makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And that's why I think you probably saw in smaller, like, family farms and stuff. You know, there's the old joke about don't name, uh, you know, the cow or the pig or whatever because you don't want to look at it as a pet because eventually right. you're going to yeah. have to kill it. It shows that there was some kind of attachment or a humane interaction with the animal or something. But I think the, these factory farms are just crazy. I, first of all, I hate that word factory farm. I, think I don't know. I think it's a loaded word. I don't know what, what you call them. I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know what the proper word is. So I yeah. can say that. Yeah. It's, I feel it's almost, I don't like know if they're a, processing plants or I don't know what they are. Um, but wherever it is that yeah. they kill animals on moss, but I mean, <laughs> things like uh, chickens, um, they'll literally hang the, I think turkeys too. They'll hang like chickens and turkeys upside down by their feet. And then they'll like cut their throats or something. But some of them, you know, uh, while they go down, what's kind of like an assembly line or a conveyor don't get killed instantly. And so they end up getting dunked into the scalding water. That's meant to re- remove the feathers. And there's been like undercover footage of people working with like, you know, turkeys or whatever, actually taking like a big turkey while it's alive and using it for a seat. Like you'd sit on a milk crate or something while they kill other turkeys or whatever. Uh, people throwing baby pigs around like their footballs, uh, kicking mo- mother pigs in the head. And sh- it's and almost it's, you, 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 I think the workers have to do that. They have to become desensitized. Desensitized to, to it. Yeah. yeah. They do that with uh, people in the military. Um, where you, you, I I went through that. I I wasn't 
indoctrinated into it like some people were. But when I was in basic training, um, we were doing uh, hand-to-hand combat or we would do uh, drills where they would say, what makes the green grass grow? We go, blood, blood, blood makes the green grass grow, <laughs> drill sergeant. You know, like, like, uh, like there's, there's two types of people, the quick and the dead. Like, who are we, the quick? Who are the enemy? The dead. Um, and they, they would build you, break you down and build you up like that. Right. Um, and during that moment, I was into it, right? I was like, this mm-hmm. is me. I'm a soldier. This is what I'm going to do. But eventually, you know, I calmed back down and I, after I got a basic training, but there's some people who you have to do that because you can't look at the person across from you that you're uh, authorized to m- murder pretty and much. Humanize them. You have you to have dehumanize, to dehumanize them. them. You right. have to separate yourself because look at the, the, the wave of soldiers. And this is, this is what pisses me off most because the older generation, especially who, who are war hawks, right? Mm-hmm. And I say this every time to them I said, my generation is paying for the wars of the Bush presidency. My generation is going to suffer for a lifetime because of these wars, the mental anguish, the physical anguish, the physical deformities, the mental deformities. Mm-hmm. We are suffering for this. You can't sit there and tell me one way or another that war with Iran or war with Iraq or going to kill ISIS is good because you don't understand it because it's not your generation. Well, this is the generation between Vietnam and, um, to a lesser extent, the Gulf War. They don't get it. And what's scary about all that is, like you, you said perfectly, you know, they're war hawks. And what always pisses me off, and I've never served, you know, but I, I have the decency not to start wars, is that uh, so many of them have, uh, when when it was their time, to get out of the draft, they sought all sorts of deferments, you know, daddy's money, college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Dick Cheney has multiple deferments. I think Donald Trump has a couple defer- yeah. deferments. Uh, George Bush served in the National Guard, I think. I don't know if that's just coincidence or if his his daddy's pull got him, uh, you know, out, off the front lines and in the National Guard. And... uh even tough talk and Ted Nugent, who I actually like oh, some of his man. music, he literally okay. shit his pants. I mean, not making it up. He literally shit yeah. his pants to get out of the army. Uh, and these are the people calling for more blood. And it's blood. absolutely disgusting. And it pisses me off every time. One of my favorite bands is uh, System of the Down. Oh, yeah, man. System of the Down is awesome. And there was one, I forgot the song called, but it says... The, one of the lyrics was, why do the poor always fight the wars? Mm-hmm. Um, because it is. Uh, it, it's, it's, that was so it's, clear during Vietnam is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And the it, ethnic oh, yeah. minorities, too. Well, yeah. even, even today's military, right? To me, for me personally, the military was like, shit, I fell out of community college. I have nothing else to do with my life. I need to change something. Right. And 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 for some people, that's the only way they can get out of their situation. Mm-hmm. And and to dr- have a luck of the draw. I was lucky. I was smart enough to be able to pretty much pick any job I wanted outside of a linguist because I wasn't that smart. <laughs> uh, that I didn't have to be on the front lines with a rifle, you know, in an infantry unit. But some people aren't that lucky. But they they take the risk to get out of whatever situation they're in because there's no other option. And the fact that we can't provide another option is the real tragedy that they have to jump to the military. I think you're right. That's, I mean, 
even though it's supposed to be voluntary now, you still notice uh, that a, a lot of um, military personnel happen to be minorities, or like you said, they don't they don't feel like they have any other avenues. I'm sure there are people who do it out of a sense of patriotism or uh, you know a combination of factors. But I think uh, there was a flood of probably people joining for patriotic reasons after you know nine eleven. But yeah, there was. Yeah, there was that patriotic duty that people felt. Same thing with like World War II, right? There was a lot of people mm-hmm. who signed up at a at a patriotic duty. Um, but but again, it goes back to the the fact that people are so cavalier about about the military. Where if you look, if you watch that the the Jabroni Republican debate, the people who couldn't make it to the big stage, <laughs> right? Every one of them was talking about sending troops to the weirdos. To, yeah, sending troops to to fight ISIS, putting boots on the ground, or the the Iran deal. They're like, oh, we need to send troops into Iran. Like you fuckers, I, I'm sure this isn't going to make it on the podcast. We're almost at four hours. <laughs> uh, well, like, might. I, I'm thinking I'm gonna. I want I don't know. this to be a kind of a, a kind of rough and wild, uncensored podcast. So Maybe you I make it a actually, bonus episode. Yeah, I might actually. I'll probably include the. The swears, you know, I feel like I do so much apologizing for like even the hint of bad, bad language well, you, you, on the show. You, that, you cut it at about an hour and say the rest is up for members only. Th- see, that would be the wise thing. Or if I just <laughs> cut everything out except for the swears, and it's just a half an hour of like nonstop f bombs and vulgar. Oh uh, yeah, that's gonna be a hard podcast. I'm not going to rep three hours and fifty three minutes. It's funny because I have some listeners, like, uh, I'll give them a shout out. There's this one listener named John Haas that I'm really friendly with and I interact a lot with on the Facebook page. And he absolutely loves long episodes because I don't know what he does for a living, but I know that, like, he likes to have things to help pass the time when he's at work. He likes to listen to podcasts and stuff. And whenever I do like a three hour interview or something, he's like, don't be afraid to make long episodes. So he he at least will probably just send it to him then, (laughs) because I don't know how much of this is gold or just crap. I'm sure when I uh, I'm sure when I go back and listen to it tomorrow that, you know, I'll be able to tell. I'm pretty good at editing, know how knowing how to separate the chaff from the weed or whatever. But my feeling is so far that see now that you have me thinking about it i'm being self-conscious or whatever and and i'm like (laughs) at a loss for words no i think despite the despite the crude language i think we actually talked about a lot of different cool subjects we talked about politics religion music and i actually think we had a lot of intelligent things to say and i actually think we've done previous interviews that maybe haven't been as stimulating or maybe it's just because we're drunk it seems stimulating it a, or whatever it could be a combination of different, a lot of things but I mean, I've, alcohol I've, is one of them 